At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our UFC 248 post show. I am John Pollock. If it's a UFC post show, you know that means it's time for Phil Chair Talk to join us here for all of the post listeners out there. Phil, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, this is a bit of a cruel joke tonight because it's always a bit of a a chore when you're talking about following the UFC on the East Coast. But on tonight, no less, it is daylight savings time. So it's we're about to lose another hour on top of this, Phil. So uh, on top God. of a card that went long too. This was a very it was a very long show. I mean, there's a lot to discuss from this card. But yes, if you sat down for the prelims at 7 o'clock p.m., you're talking six and a half hours of UFC tonight. Fantastic. I mean, you, the people can't say they didn't get their money's worth. Is there one person out there that's saying, damn it, we didn't get the Emily Whitmire fight? <laughs> maybe some of those people booing at the end there maybe some of those people well uh this is certainly um a card that man it had a lot of highs attached to it but i think we should certainly start with the main event between israel adesanya and yoel romero this was one of the more bizarre main events that we're going to talk about but off the top phil how did you score this fight? Because I think that there is certainly an argument to be made um, that you know this was this was such a bizarre fight to score. I'm curious how you who you thought was going to have their arm raised at the end of these 25 minutes. Well, those are two different questions. Right? Okay, <laughs> who did you score the fight for? It should be the okay. first question that I'll okay. stick to. Okay, so. I scored the fight 48 to 47 for Israel Adesanya with him winning round with uh uh Romero winning rounds 1 and 2. I agree. And, and then round 5 was the closest other round but I still gave that to Israel. Uh so. I'm I'm pretty close to you. I ended up going 5 for Romero mainly because of the the strikes that he landed. But I can certainly look at, you know, what was... Like, he landed... I I thought, like, his cleanest strikes in succession came in the fifth, in, like, this 60-second burst that he had. Um, That it felt like, at times, John Anik was the only one who was, like, acknowledging some of these strikes. But the leg kicks that Adesanya was piling up in 3, 4, and 5, I mean, those were pretty significant and Romero was having a lot of problems with these leg kicks and those did continue in the fifth but yeah this to me like Adesanya I I thought he was extremely lucky he left with this championship tonight because I I did not see it as um, any kind of guarantee when they went to the scorecards that this guy I I thought that there was a decent chance Yoel Romero could have won this title yeah I mean you know I mean, the judges, I guess, sort of disagree because it was unanimous. But, I mean, there were two of the round, like, it was 48-47 on two of the cards. Um, And, I mean, certainly the first two rounds, there was so little action in general that you they're kind of coin flips. It was process of elimination that you had to give those rounds to Romero just because – like literally in the first round, there were seven strikes combined between these two and – one of them was um was a significant overhand left by Romero. Like you have to give him that round. Mm-hmm. And in the second, it was to me Romero landed that that counter left and then he charged it out of Sonya. But these were ten minutes where unless you are someone that's going to uh, give out ten ten rounds, I mean this was like R- Romero to me were was the guy that you especially the first, but I'd say the, the second as well and. I think Adesanya, the most definitive rounds to me were three and four. I think those were absolutely clear cut for Adesanya that he won those rounds. 
Yeah. I, I, the second round, I'm curious if I went back to it, how many leg strikes did maybe Israel start landing in that round? Adesanya did land more in the second, but Romero did have that big counter shot right at the beginning of the round. Um, what I would like to look at is that, that one flurry he had where he did back up Adesanya into the cage and how much of anything was landed in that uh, particular round because uh, we haven't seen the judges' scorecards yet, but the 49-46 card, uh, you would have to imagine it was two through five that that judge saw for Adesanya. You'd have to imagine. <laughs> well, I don't want to make any assumptions when it comes to uh, <laughs> scorecards here, but this was um, quite a bizarre fight. And then after the, after the fact, we had – we had uh, Paulo Costa in the crowd who looked to be getting uh, subdued by security as you had uh, uh, Valid Ishmael right next to his side, who I so badly wanted to hear from on this broadcast. And then Yoel Romero channeling Dusty Rhodes out of 1985, like cutting a sermon about the people that had paid their money that wanted to see a fight. And it, to me, it was like both of these guys uh, – I think it was Joe Rogan that said this, but it might have been Daniel Cormier chiming in as well. Like, neither of these guys, to me, could have complained after this because they totally left some of these rounds just on the table for them to be interpreted uh, either direction. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they both fought in a highly tactical way, and they both gave away rounds and so, yeah, if it had gone any way, if Yoel had been decided the winner, I wouldn't have been upset. And I don't think anybody really could have been. Um, but it did, it did seem like, even though, like, again, it, it goes back to the, this, we sort of talked about it last time with, uh, uh, John Jones. Yes, on a round by round basis, it was like in dispute. But the real like story and momentum of the fight was Izzy kind of breaking him down and avoiding the shots for the most part, right? Like he was never really in danger and he was systematically like dismantling him for the majority of the minutes of the fight. If this was pride rules, there's no controversy tonight that Israel yeah. Adesanya won this fight. But as long as we're tied to the 10 point must system, like this to me is like the 10 point must system like a perfect spotlight on it is that you have to win a minimum of three five minute periods. And this, this was broken down in such a way that those first two were very likely Romero's. And then it comes down like here is one where you can decipher who won the overall fight. But when you break it up, it's certainly debatable. Here, Here's here's my because we need to talk more about the scoring system. Uh, my, this is just be a monthly segment we do. My my thing with the scoring system, where I would like to see some type of improvement, is th that round one or round X is scored the same as round Y, when potentially round X had significantly more effect, damage, control, grappling, you know, than round Y does. So it, it like, you know, it, it's like a, an inning in baseball. You can score 24 runs in an, in the first inning and no runs in the second inning, but you're still winning by 24 points, you know? I, and to be honest, like that should be what this point system is designed to do. That round one, if, if we have 10, 10 as an option, it should be used. Or if, if you're telling me that by definition round one constitutes a 10-9, there's no way that you can argue then that round three or four, where Adesanya is chopping his leg off, is of equal value. So I agree with you. Uh, but we just have – it's like everything is a 10-9, and if someone is on the brink of death, that's when we start to decide, hmm, was that enough for a 10-8? I don't know. He still has his uh, – his leg wasn't severed, so I've I got to go 10-9. <laughs> like that's pretty much the debate that we have. I, I there was there was no ten uh ten uh eights in the Oliveira versus Griffin fight, right? Uh 
in the Oliveira Griffin fight, no, I there was definitely no ten eights. Right? Oh, from it, the judges, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, there were, there was no uh, ten eight. But I mean, you know, somebody was seriously damaged, you know, in that. Uh, anyway, I'm not saying that there should be. Anyway, off topic, off topic. Let's move on. Um, how, how about this? Did you did you enjoy the fight? Like, was it? it were, were you at least like engaged? Like, yeah, I understood why I was engaged. I was a hundred percent engaged the whole time. I I, I I get it why people are booing and they have booze and they paid a lot of money and they travel. It's Vegas. You pay a lot of money. It's not just the ticket price. But they got a you know we'll talk about it. But they got a Hall of Fame fight and uh, so anyway that's. But I was engaged. I thought the I I like. I, I don't know if I can say I liked it, but I was intrigued by it. I was captivated by it. The tactics played out sort of how I thought with a little bit, I mean, obviously less activity. I don't think anybody expected so little activity, but I was still caught up in it. I wouldn't this- recommend it to a friend. It's it's not the kind of fight that, yeah, you would be recommending. I think in the moment you're kind of like, I'm interested because like this God knows what this is going to end up with. And Yoel Romero winning the middleweight title, especially had it been in this fashion after this fight, it just would have set this weight class into chaos. I mean, to me, that would have been the ultimate Yoel Romero way to win a championship (laughs) is based off of outstriking him four to three in the first round. Well, um, that's how it looked like it was going to go. I mean, I, I, th- I listen, thought the I first scored round it. was I scored brilliant. it for Romero. Like, I, yeah. I, I didn't know how many people would agree with me, but I, I thought he won the fifth. So um, enough people disagreed, though. So I thought the first round was just so brilliant, how he came out in that little tank-like stance, and he just pivoted in place. I'm like, okay, nothing happened for a minute of him doing that. I'm like, you just won that minute because everything is the opponent responding to you. So it's like you just, you know, there was no effective striking. There was no effective grappling. So that's the control. You just won that minute and used no energy, which is your weakness, is using too much energy. So I thought the whole first round was brilliant. And uh, but, you know, he couldn't keep it up. Because Izzy, you know, started to apply pressure. I just, I think the fans just wished it was a little bit more pressure. I just think for Romero, like, obviously the game plan was conserve and then have that gas tank ready for four and five. And even, I I think it was the leg kicks that really shut down that game plan. Because if he comes out of the fifth round and he's got enough to just go hard for five minutes... I think Adesanya was there for the taking in the fifth, and R- Romero wins that round on two judges' cards. He's champion today. He wins it by split because one judge still would have had the fight for Adesanya. But that fifth round, if he wins it on two judges' cards, he's the champion. Well, I definitely agree that the fifth was for the taking, and he should have done more to go after it. But Israel Adesanya, he retains the championship, and it looks like uh, Paulo Costa will be next after yeah, that. He had another fabulous ring entrance, you know. Yeah, what did you think of this entrance? This wasn't uh, the Robert Whitaker one. This is more a, um, a subtle one, but still very outside the box for UFC entrances we get these days. Yeah, I liked it. It wasn't over the top, but it was unique. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's a more, it's a better choice. You know, you don't want like, Last time, you know, he was able to pull off that dance thing and he feels comfortable with that. So maybe it wasn't a big energy expenditure, but that was my concern with the dancing. It's just like too much of an energy thing here. He's like relaxed and, uh, you know, positive energy. I thought he might come out wearing like a 40 pound suit of some sort and then, <laughs> uh, not gas in the fifth. <laughs> well, he had that plan and then he decided, you know, flower petals were knocking away. 40 pounds, so. The fight that this card will be remembered by was Zhang Weili and Joanna Janjacek for the UFC strawweight title. Uh, I can easily say this was one of the greatest fights in UFC history. They went five rounds. Zhang Weili retaining by split decision. Uh, two judges scoring at 48-47 for her. One scoring it the other way for Janjacek, 48-47. I don't even know where to start recapping this fight. Um, 
I scored the fight for uh, Zhang Wei Li. I had her winning rounds one, two, and four. But the story of this fight was that, um, man, so many of these rounds, like I did not know what the scores were going to be at the end of this. There was like the fifth was close, the fourth was close, the first round was fairly close as well. And Jacek, like they were tied in the first round with twenty eight strikes apiece. They hit an ungodly amount of strikes. Uh, Joanna Janjacek's forehead just – she was unrecognizable by the end of this fight. It was um, – I don't even know where to start with this fight, Phil. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you with your thoughts on an instant classic and I will be floored if this is not fight of the year, if not uh, a candidate for fight of the decade. Yeah, it was uh, – it was it was really tremendous. It was exhilarating throughout uh, – it- that like I mean, you already gave it all the accolades that it deserves, um, and which is appropriate because it was on the night where they announced the uh, uh, this year's Hall of Fame inductee fight, um, and uh, this one is like it instantly makes you think that it will inevitably be uh, right there beside that uh, Gustafson versus Jones one contest. Yeah, it was tremendous. Um, I also scored it for Zhang. Um, it was, I had her winning rounds two, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, with one being extremely close. I like thought they literally had the equal amount of strikes. And it's, yeah, I mean, this was like, th- th- this fight, it was really, you could, you could go either way here. Um, I, I do see most. Scored it for for Zhang, so maybe like she seemed to be the one that was landing. Like her strikes seemed to be having uh, more more damage uh, that was displayed. And granted, the the visual is probably going to sway you a bit more because uh, in Jacek by the third round, you could just see the hematoma forming. And by the end of this fight, it was just um, like it, it, it was pretty out there in terms of just a visual. This was uh, like obviously is going to bring back uh, memories of Mark Hominick. Yeah, well, the, the, not only does that uh, remind us of that event, but sort of the main event and that lackluster main event, because that was the co-main to, right. to uh, I forget the UFC number. I'm horrible at remembering. This was 129. 129. I was in attendance. I imagine you were in attendance as well. I, you know what? Amazingly, I was not at that card. What? Yes. This was what? before we were credentialed. Uh, at the at the Fight Network, so I ended up not going. Uh, uh-huh. Everybody went. Everybody, people I who know. weren't even like UFC fans were at that event. It was like sixty thousand or fifty thousand or whatever it was. Forty. I don't know. It was a lot of people. Anyway, so the event was amazing, much like tonight. That fight was an amazing five round war that was back and forth. Hominick almost took the title. It was crazy. And then the main event that everybody was so excited for, you know, GSP, it was like uh, he jabbed his way to a five-round decision. Where, um, where at the weigh-ins, when they interviewed George of what to expect the next night, his words to Joe Rogan were, don't blink. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> I, I, mean, I it, hope no one blinked the next night. You would have missed the 25 minutes where uh, George had to fight with one eye by the end of it. I'm I'm pretty sure. Sh- yeah, I mean, look, he, he like, no hate on him but it just no he did suffer like a bad like eye injury in that fight but yeah it was um hardly a great fight and uh uh <laughs> uh i'm pretty sure he's he's used that don't blink line on several occasions <laughs> prior to fights so that wouldn't have been the first or last time um yeah anyway uh, yeah so yeah instant classic great fight tremendous tremendous fight to go out of your way to see uh, where, did you go to UFC 165, the Jones Gustafson card? No, I did not go to that one. Okay, that one I was at. I was covering that one. Um, you know, certainly there's going to be recency bias, but I will say, uh, like an hour removed from that Jones Gustafson fight and an hour removed from this one, I, I feel this was the better fight tonight. You know, going into this event and while the event was progressing, I was thinking, you know, this is incredible. When was the last time there was a bad UFC event, right? Like a really bad one. And it seems like the fights are getting better and more exciting. And I don't know if that's because of the matchmaking, like, you know, or it's just the quality of the athlete 
but uh, it's pretty it, rare. Like sometimes, like it, every every so often, like you know, once a year maybe you'll get one of those fight night cards where it's just a a slew of decisions and it's it's lower level talent, but. You know, it's it's pretty rare at this point. You're getting it, and in terms of a like a pay per view that has left people like a, a card as a whole. Like, there's bad fights, but a bad card, it's it's pretty few and far between. And um, I, I would say this is my leading contender for card of the year tonight. Yeah, I mean, despite the 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 main event, I mean. Uh, but you know it's it's still early, John. Spring hasn't even hit. Well, us. that's why I say like this. Uh, I cannot uh, envision a fight topping oh, the strawweight fight, fight yeah, for, for yeah. fight of the year. But it's, I mean, you, you you never know. It's it's March. Hey, as Tony Ferguson and Habib are about, are hopefully going to go down. You know that that's you know that just that fight just screams crazy. So we'll see. We'll see. So, um, yeah, this to me, it's, this is going to be the fight these two women are forever remembered for. I think this will be, um, man, for, for their own health, I hope that they don't fight for a long time after this, especially Yin Jacek. I, I think that there's going to be that desire a year from now to start talking about these two having a rematch or something. Oh, but yeah. This, this will be, um, th- this is going to be the fight these two are forever linked to uh, in their careers. This will be the fight that goes into the Hall of Fame where, like, the- these will be the two women that are forever etched, uh, attached to this division. Like, this will be marketed as, like, the greatest women's fight of all time, which I think almost, like, this, you don't even have to qualify it as, like, women's. Like, this was just one of the greatest fights in MMA history. I agree completely. You can disagree, too. You could be like, John, you're full of it. Well, you are full of it, oh. but so I agree with you on that. But I, I well, yeah, <laughs> it's all it's uh, my, my my clock just turned to three a.m. Everyone, we went from uh, one fifty eight a.m. Now it's three oh eight a.m. And that was in the span of uh, ten minutes. Okay, so I can uh, blame all incoherence on this time is change. This is how deep this card was. This feels like this was on a previous card, but this was on the same main card. Was Benil Dariush and Drakar Close, who had <laughs> what I had written down. I was like, man, this should, this has got to be at least uh, best round of the year. And this was <laughs> not even round of the night. Um, so the first round, which was not the round of the year, um, Dariush gets a takedown early and then he gets onto the back of Close and Close is standing. And Darius just applies a body triangle and stays on his back. This was like a good, like pretty much four out of the five minutes of the of the round, and he's just constantly going for chokes. And Drakkar Close is able to stave off the submission. The second round begins, and Drakkar Close just comes out and he lands these power shot shots, and it looks like Darius is going to be done. Darius instinctively fights back. Um, and we we suddenly get um, uh, Pat Barry and Czech Congo here, where Darius rocks him and backs him up to the fence and just loads up on this overhand left and drops Drakkar close at a minute of the second round, and Benil Darius wins this. This second round, this was the most insane sixty seconds um, until the next fight. <laughs> yeah, it, it was absolutely wild. Uh, Dariush looked in all sorts of trouble. Um, and, uh, close just, yeah, got a little overcommitted. Uh, Dariush was, you know, he mentioned, you know, his legs were fatigued from the body triangle, uh, in the first round. But the thing is, like, when, like, your limbs are fatigued, it's different than when you're, like, you know, your lungs are fatigued. You know, you, you need blood to get circulated in them. And so he was still able to fire back. He was still with it in the fight. He was still cognizant. And so that's why he was able to fire back and, and get that KO. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Neil Magny uh, defeated uh, Li Jingliang in a welterweight fight. They went three rounds. Neil Magny won by unanimous decision. And uh, Neil Magny has not fought since November of 2018. So he returned here and won in a big way. Uh, Jingliang is a very, you know, credible welterweight. He's won three fights coming into this one. But it was Magny who was um, just a superior fighter here. He was able to uh, 
just mix up a lot of his strikes, a lot of knees to the body, uh, got a series of takedowns throughout the fight. At one point, he he went for a a gotch style pile driver that I know Phil, you'd be uh, familiar with uh, the work of Minoru Suzuki. I'm sure you uh, were just uh, marveling at this potential pro wrestling move being utilized in a MMA fight in the second round. See, I did, I now I know that uh, Minoru Suzuki is a pro wrestler because you gave it away. Pancrase legend, Minoru Suzuki. Um, and whoa, just, whoa, 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 Pancrase. That's he, not just pro wrestling. No, I know that. He's he's done fights. Oh, really? Yep, yep. Oh, okay, okay. Did he ever pull off a pile driver? Uh, not, not in a fight. Got it. Uh, <laughs> in the third round, uh, it was more Magni just uh, with leg kicks. Uh, his jab was just lightning quick, especially in this last round. And Magni won on all three judges' scorecards. 30-27, and this was a, a strong return to form for Neil Magny, who, after the fight, called out Michael Chiesa. Yeah, that's a good call-out. Um, Magny uh, looked great behind his jab, uh, mixed things up, uh, was good, uh, was strong in the grappling, where uh, Jing Lang looked str- is typically pretty strong, and yeah, just completely controlled the fight. Uh, look great in returning. Says he wants to stay active, and I like the Kiesa fight. Um, I don't know if Kiesa would really want that fight because Kiesa's you know really coming up in the division, and I think he's he's on the cusp if he takes a higher ranked guy. Um, but uh, you know, Magny's been around a long time. He has so many wins in the division. I think it would be a good fight, so I wouldn't complain to see it. Yeah, Michael Chiesa right now is ranked seventh. Uh, Neil Magny, because he's been out for so long, I don't think um, he was. He may not have even been eligible for the rankings because he's not even listed here in the top fifteen. Yeah. Do you, do you know who is ranked fifteenth in the welterweight division? Diego Sanchez, Conor McGregor. What? <laughs> he is. He is listed here as fifteenth in the welterweight Where division. Where's Diego Sanchez? Not in the top fifteen. Okay. No. I'd put I'd put Diego ahead of Conor McGregor in the welterweight division. Um, well, where's Cowboy in the welterweight division? Uh, Alex Oliveira? No, or, uh, Cerrone. Well, they he is not in the top fifteen. What? So, Donald Cerrone is not in the top fifteen. Okay, whatever. Well, I mean, he had been primarily fighting at lightweight, and then he he lost to McGregor. So, I guess um, it's just weird to see McGregor ranked like fifteenth here. I mean, he should either maybe I don't know. I I don't try and break down these rankings, but nonetheless, okay. Um, (laughs) Opening up the uh, the pay per view main card was the other cowboy, Alex Oliveira, and. Max Griffin. And by the way, I did give a 10-8 in that, that last, the second round to Neil Magny. So I did throw it okay. on, on this, on this, uh, particular fight. Uh, but Alex Oliveira, he won by split decision over Max Griffin. Um, the key shot of the entire fight came in the second round when Oliveira busted open Griffin with this uppercut and Griffin was just, uh, painting a, a blood-stained mural over the canvas because he was a faucet with all of this blood coming out. They had to check him because it was over the right eye, but the fight continued. Um, I had it even going into the third round and the third I gave to Oliveira. So I had it uh, 29-28. What did you think about this fight? So I I thought it was – I mean it was a great fight. Uh, I really liked the way Cowboy fought in this fight. I actually gave it – uh, to him, twenty nine, twenty eight. But I gave him the first two rounds, and then the third round, I really couldn't decide. I, the third I, was it, so it was... equal because you had Oliveira take him down, and he briefly mounted him, and it was pretty much they split the round in two because Griffin then reversed him and got on top in half guard, and it was like they pretty much had the same position split into two halves of this round. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah, exactly. And so I, I I didn't give Griffin any rounds because I I couldn't give him the last round, and I don't necessarily give Oliveira that round. But uh, I did give Oliveira the first round um, because I thought he was he and was, he was really effective at range. He was just good at keeping distance, and and his his strikes looked like they were there were he was doing a good job at pushing him back at times, uh, despite Griffin, you know 
pressing forward. And uh, it was a fun fight. Oliveira, I thought, fought a really smart fight and uh, a lot more controlled than he has in the past. Uh, Let's go on to the prelims. And this was um, a really big fight for Sean O'Malley. He has not fought since March of 2018. He has had uh, several uh, USADA issues uh, after they found Austrian in his system and then seemed to have that same uh, kind of pulsing deal where it was uh, showing back up in his system. So he ended up missing uh, two years in total. And he was taking on Jose Quinones and O'Malley instantly, you're watching his footwork, his speed. He was just so composed in there uh, with Quinones and He's just attacking him with several strikes, but being very patient. And then Quinones, uh came in and got tossed over to the fence, got hit with a head kick, and then an uppercut that stunned him. And O'Malley just finished him with hammer fists at two minutes, two seconds of the first round. I, I thought a very, very impressive performance from Sean O'Malley to make up for lost time after these uh, two years he's been gone. Yeah, I mean, he looked extremely polished and sharp. I mean, it was it was pretty easy for him. Like he he managed the distance perfectly. Almost everything he threw, he connected with. Um, yeah, it was very sharp. Uh, and uh, I think it's you know you probably want to get him back in there. He didn't take any injuries. He's been off a long time. He probably wants to make some money. Um, I, you know, you can put him on the top of a fight night or you can put him as a nice juicy piece of another pay-per-view. Yeah, I could see him absolutely at this point being able to headline a fight night card. I mean, he's to me had a lot of momentum behind him before the, uh, the, the USADA issues and also a guy that kept very busy over the last couple of months. He's been doing those quintet, uh, grappling events where he's done, uh, matches with Takanori Gomi, Hector Lombard, and Gilbert Melendez. So, I mean, on the grappling front, that's a, a pretty impressive lineup of opponents. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going in there with UFC, you know, level fighters. So that's that's terrific experience. And uh, you know, we were talking about it two years off. You know, getting the ability to sharpen your skills without getting um, without any putting any miles on the vehicle. Is, is, you know, potentially something really valuable. Then we had uh, Olympic silver medalist Mark O. Madsen versus Austin Hubbard. We had two Olympic silver medalists on this card uh, with Madsen and Yoel Romero. Now, these two are seven years apart. But what's crazy is that Romero won his silver medal 16 years before Madsen did. I mean, don't talk about age and Romero and anything that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> like it's, it's like, he's like, he's like in another dimension of vortex, like where he's able to move through space and time differently than everybody else. You know what it is? It's like, you know, they say when things like, a, if two things travel, like twins, they're the same age, but one goes on a rocket ship traveling at the speed of light around the earth and comes back, you know, the other, other twin will have aged more. You know, it's like Yo Romero is traveling in a ship at the speed of light because he's not aging and we're all getting older. This guy's silver medal he won was 20 years ago and he just headlined a pay-per-view tonight. That's madness. Imagine, just imagine who, uh, someone in wrestling winning a, a, a silver medal this summer in Tokyo, providing these games occur. And then they headline a UFC pay-per-view in 2040. Against Yoel Romero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You were on top of that one. That was very good. I was very impressed. Uh, Marco Madsen did not have a um, – uh, well, his – he he utilized his his wrestling here, and I think that if you've watched enough of uh Mark O'Madson here, he has developed his his game beyond just relying on his wrestling skill. But that is his bread and butter here, and he was able to hit this this belly to back suplex that Daniel Cormier Daniel Cormier was in awe of uh, watching him here. Uh, Madsen won the first two rounds, and then in the third, Austin Hubbard knew he was down on the scorecards, and he just kind of went for it, and he had a lot of success, uh, whether it was Madsen um, 
just tiring in the third or just not being able to deal with the pressure. Uh, Hubbard was able to drill him with this knee, and that was something Madsen was susceptible to throughout this round was um, th- this knee strike and uh, also took an uppercut here. So I had Hubbard winning the third round, but not enough to win the fight. So I scored it 29-28 for Mark O. Madsen, and they're making a big deal out of his uh, middle initial here. Yeah, um, it almost sounds like Irish or something, but, uh. He's the man on a mission, Marco Madsen. Uh huh. Uh, but I was impressed with the performance, used his, uh, you know, it's kind of Damien Maya-esque. He used his grappling to control the opening rounds and then survived the inevitable last second barrage from his desperate opponent. And, you know, he took a lot of shots. And he didn't just use the wrestling. He used strikes to get in there. He mm-hmm. ans- he answered shots. Like, he made it a point that when he took a shot, he- he'd fire back, even if, you know, it wasn't always the smartest move. And it's it- it's the type of fight, you know, they say you learn the most from your losses. Like, it's it's sort of like the closest thing to that. You know, I think he- there's a lot that he can be proud of. But clearly a lot of things that need to be worked on. And, you know, he gave a great, uh, post-fright interview. Like this guy, so he seems to have like a really good head on his shoulder. And, uh, I look forward to seeing him progress against, uh, you know, slowly against higher ranked opponents, but can't be too slowly because he's up there in age, right? Well, that's what I was going to point out. I know we just talked about Yoel Romero, but Yoel Romero is a freak and, Madsen is 35 years old, so you're talking about, um, you know, this is late in the game for him to be, um, you know, developing at at the the time he he is going to need. So it's, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his trajectory is and and what kind of uh, run he can have here in the UFC because he certainly has the tools. But um, if this guy was like eight or nine years younger, he would certainly be a a highly, highly touted uh, prospect. Yeah, I mean, it, he's a. W- w- this is welterweight, right? I'm not crazy. Lightweight. Oh, lightweight. Okay. Mm, you know, it, he he would be interesting against Tabib, right? You know, like that credentialed of a Greco guy. You know. I don't know if that if that fight happens today. I no. It's. I mean, obviously, it's MMA. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying. I'm. But I'm just. But you know, as somebody who can challenge, no one's been able to challenge the grappling of of. Habib is all I'm saying. And this guy's a, you know, Olympian. So it's like the ultimate grappling challenge. And, and we had like the, the spillover from the, the press conference. I mean, this was a pretty star studded, um, crowd. We had Robert Downey Jr. front and center. Uh, Khabib was there. We I was, a, I, I was v- kind Valide of surprised. Ishmael was there with, uh, with Paulo Costa. I mean, it was, uh, man. It was a, I, I was a celebrity was, sellout. I was surprised to actually see so many celebrities with, you know, the concern around gatherings and such. Do you think it that's it that has the potential to be uh and it, like certainly like the one that I'm looking at is uh is WrestleMania weekend in in a couple of weeks like is you know the WWE has said you know we're moving forward with everything but I I don't know how you can make um you, you can't guarantee anything right now. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think, you know, they say they're moving forward. That gives the people who bought the tickets and arranged the travels confidence. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, this is a fluid situation that you need to be on top of and, and we're relying on, uh, our officials to make the best decisions and inform us about it. And, uh, uh, so uh, that's who I'm more worried about making decisions, not so much these organizations, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Adolfo Vieira, this uh, guy uh, among grapplers to come into the UFC, this guy is one of the most uh, credentialed, a multiple-time uh, world champion uh, at Abu Dhabi, the Pan Ams. Uh, he's 30 years old. This is his second UFC fight after defeating uh, Oscar Pihota, and he was taking on Saperbek Safarov, and 
uh, Safarov got, I, I guess, a moral victory here because he did land this brutal front kick to the eye of Vieira that shut his left eye completely. Uh, but Vieira just uh, ate the kick and then took him down and just pretty much played with his food here. He just took his time, got his hooks in, and then mounted poor Safarov and eventually moved to an arm triangle and just squeezed, and Safarov tapped at 258 of the first round. Doesn't come out of it unscathed, but, um, man, uh, Vieira is the real deal here. Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, we are talking about the absolute highest level of grappler that there is, uh, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, I should say. Uh, like if you just go through his record, anybody familiar with, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu will just see a who's who list of legends that he's, uh, defeated, some that he's submitted. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- so, uh, he has a ton of potential, um, to achieve great things. Gerald Mearshart and Duran Wynn was next. Uh, Duran Wynn, uh, in his, th- this was a guy that was fighting at light heavyweight. He was on that that one and only Golden Boy MMA card against Tom Lawler, uh, won that fight, got signed by the UFC, and then came down to middleweight and in his last fight missed weight against Darren Stewart and then lost the fight. And he made weight for this one. And he's taking on Gerald Mearshart, who looked like he was in a different weight class. They looked like two completely different weight classes in here. However, uh, as we just mentioned, like – Duran Wynn has had trouble in the past making middleweight. So uh, the announcers are even talking about it, uh, about Wynn perhaps, you know, belongs at welterweight. And of course, what made this interesting is that his, his training partner is Daniel Cormier, who is on the broadcast. So it gave you some unique insight here to, um, uh, Cormier, um, calling Wynn's fight. Um, however, um, they split the first two rounds, I thought. And then in the second, or sorry, in the third round, uh, Wynn blasts him with a right, and then Mearshart comes back, hurts Wynn, and starts attacking him with shots, and goes for the guillotine before taking his back and locks in a rear naked choke. And it just seemed like Wynn was uh, realized he w- he was caught here, tapped out at two thirteen of the third round. So it- it's a- it's a weird state for Duran Wynn. It seems like he is in a weight class too high for his stature at five five foot six, but. I mean, he's going to have to make some big changes, I guess, in his uh, just his overall training and and diet if he can even think of making welterweight because it seems like it's it's quite the task just getting to middleweight. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really unfortunate situation. I mean, you know, he's constantly been compared to his uh, you know coach and uh, uh, Daniel Cormier, and he. Fights in a similar style and he has success in similar ways, but he lacks the volume to really make it effective. Like he, he's able to get inside and land strikes that really hurt Mearshart in this fight. And, but he, it's just not enough volume and he doesn't keep the pressure on. And, uh, and then, and the body shots in the second round really were, uh, really did him in because then by the third he had nothing left and uh yeah he's got to go back to the drawing board rethink what he wants to do with his career he does look really undersized at middleweight and um like again he was fighting at light heavyweight it it was crazy to watch 5 foot 6 at light heavyweight yeah yeah i i don't know i don't know I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, it's hard to imagine because I'm five, six. I think my license is five, seven. And, uh, I, I'm like, you know, 155 pounds. So it's, uh, to imagine that, uh, all that mass in like the same, uh, you know, size body, it's, uh, kind of difficult. I think he's someone he's just got to walk away from this and realize, okay. I've got to make major changes because you can see the skill level there. Like this is someone that I think you would want to invest that time in because he's he's 30 years old. He's got, you know, plenty of good years ahead of him. And I think those, you know, that quality should be at a lower weight class because you're taking on monsters here like a, a Gerald Mearshart that is just 
uh, this is just not going to be the weight class for you. So I would take the requisite time, put it in, and it's going to pay you back exponentially if you can figure out a healthy way to get down, which I feel on this frame he, he can get to, not being a, uh, an expert myself. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Um, um, but uh, yeah, neither of us are the nutrition experts. And then the fight pass fights, uh, they were supposed to have three fights, but uh, Emily Whitmire, she missed weight on Friday. She came in uh, a pound and a half over for her fight, her strawweight fight with uh, Pollyanna Viana. And then on Saturday, they announced that due to a medical issue, she had to withdraw from the fight. So that got scrapped. Uh, we had two fights, uh, starting off with Dana Bakari from Mongolia, who knocked out Guido Canetti. Three minutes, one second of the first round. Uh, this occurred when uh, Dana drilled him with a left hook and just dropped him and finished him with ground and pound. First round finish, and we were off with a pretty a pretty impressive uh, stoppage here. Yeah, he uh, he looked really good, uh, very sharp. Uh, Daniel Cormier, who was uh, on the broadcast, as we've mentioned several times, was pinpoint uh, all night as he usually is, but he did a great job of illustrating not just, you know, the striking, but the head movement as well while the strikes were happening. And so, yeah, let's, uh, let's line him up for another one. See what else he can do. And the featherweight fight, uh, the final fight here on Fight Pass was, uh, Giga Chikadze defeating Jamal Emmers by split decision, 229 28 scores in his favor. Uh, I thought uh, Chikadze won the first two rounds, although if you were listening to Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier, they seem very high on Jamal Emmers winning this second round that he got a takedown and Chikadze just got up right after. Like they, he, oh, sorry, he reversed him. He reversed and got on top. And uh, to me, he tagged him uh, and wobbled Emmers in the second round. So I thought it was pretty clear for Chikadze in these first two rounds. Uh, although I did give the third round to Jamal Emmers here where he just chipped away with his jabs and then got a takedown near the end, landing some hammer fists. But uh, Chikadze gets the split decision nod. Well, I'll, I'm going to have to disagree, John, because oh, no. I thought I thought Emmers won this fight. I thought he won the second round because that round he gained control of the fight. He got in the flow and he started to stick and move and evade most of Chikadze's shots, which he did land a few in the early part of the round. But the momentum completely shifted and it was just a complete travesty that I am absolutely furious about and uh if i was jamal emmers i would protest oh get out of every here. <laughs> how about the momentum in his legs when he got wobbled in that second round what, what about that it was reverberating i think all the way to uh los angeles afterwards <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you john we saw different fights well that was ufc 248 uh I would say our early contender for uh, fight of the year and card of the year. I, I I really enjoyed this show. Even even the last fight, I I didn't hate it. I was like given just the stakes that were involved, and it was how is this fight going to be scored? I think there was a compelling nature to it, but certainly not one that you're going to be um, reminiscing about at the end of the year on any best of lists. Uh, no. I mean, if you know. Everybody thinks, you know, we're about to have the Israel Adesanya coming out party where he becomes a megastar all of a sudden. Well, this certainly wasn't going to be that. So uh, we'll see. Maybe the next one, Paulo Costa, you know, it promises to be uh, fireworks, um, but we shall see. Adesanya seems to have this weird pattern that he'll have like these breakout performances and he is the the next superstar and then he'll have other ones where much like against Anderson Silva last year tonight where you know it's it's not the most explosive fight in the world and suddenly people are I, I don't know maybe it's uh, getting ahead of ourselves to say people are uh, pumping the brakes but that seemed to be you know more more of a negative sentiment on Adesanya tonight and I think it was just ultimately um two fighters that it was like they really did not um mesh well tonight it was you know Romero was hardly engaging during a significant portion of that fight. I think more of the onus was on Yoel Romero in that fight, not really living up to people's expectations. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think you 
at the very least have to make the point that the challenger has to win. The champion doesn't have to win, right? The champion can is, is as draw is sufficient to retain your title. Uh, so, correct. Yes. So at the so it's like fifty plus one, and Romero didn't give the plus one. I yeah, thought. yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's, whether you scored it, you know, three two Romero or three two for Adesanya. No side has any right to be upset about the decision. Like to me, of of the two fighters, that just to me, they they left those rounds for the taking to be interpreted in either direction on on too many um, rounds in, in that fight. So that that's not one to me that any side can cry travesty about because it was just you, you let like a first round like that. How can you possibly? Um, Say with any conviction, you know, who won some of these rounds. I can't. I can say it with no conviction whatsoever. I always look for your conviction. Uh, before we get on out of here, uh, next week, uh, they have a card in Brazil that's headlined by Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. But the one I feel you're eyeing is Damian Maya versus Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I am eyeing that. I mean, there's actually quite a few good fights. On this, this, this is card. a sneaky good card next week. This one in uh, Brazil. Hanato uh, Moicano versus Demir Hodzovic. Johnny Walker is fighting Nikita Krylov. Johnny Walker's fights are always insane. Uh, John McDessie, Francisco Trinaldo, Juicier Formiga against Brendan Moreno. Yeah, that's a huge fight, especially considering what we saw last weekend. Uh, and yeah, Damien Maya versus Gilbert Burns. I mean, this is continues the tour of them just trying to like assassinate Damien Maya with the next young stud. And we'll see if he figures out a way to backpack him for three rounds or two and a half or whatever he needs to do to get the W. But Gilbert Burns has looked amazing. And, uh, so, uh, the, the, this is, this is serious business for, uh, for Maya here, and he's he's a legit, uh, you know, uh, jujitsu uh, champion himself, right? So, um, yeah. Main event: Charles Oliveira. He's won six in a row. Uh, Kevin Lee is coming off that brutal knockout uh, over Gregor Gillespie, so that that's a really good main event as well at 155. Pounds. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oliveira's been on a tear. He's he's deserved a a, a quality opponent for a while, and uh, so. Um, you know, this should be pretty exciting. And and Kevin Lee, right? Like, you know, he puts a, this win and, and maybe one more together, and he, he's right up there in the top of the division. Okay. Uh, quick picks of these main events that are coming up. Uh, Tyron Woodley versus Leon Edwards. Your pick. Leon Edwards. The following weekend, Francis Ngannou, Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Ngannou. Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris on April 11th. Walt Harris. That could be another vicious knockout for Alistair Overeem, which those are those are piling up. So we'll see what Alistair Overeem we see in this one. And then the next time you and I will be uh, chatting for one of these, April 18th, UFC 249. Uh, what my, your the prediction I want is uh, – who will be stepping in to replace uh, either Habib Nurmagomedov or Tony Ferguson in the main event? Which lightweight uh, do, you, do you see them calling upon to save the main event? So I, I honestly, I don't see that as uh, realistically. I, 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 well, I know that is realistic that there is that has to happen. Um, I, I would say. Though that it's more likely that the fight gets canceled for other reasons, you know. That was brought up at the at the press conference. Did you see that wild press conference on Friday? Yes, I did. I did. I, I it's you know I I a few years ago I I couldn't miss a UFC press conference, and now I catch them few and far between. But I did happen to catch that one, and it it was it it was entertaining. If you missed it, here's the recap. Tony Ferguson showed up wearing gloves and was carrying a baseball, like a hardball. And when he was asked about this, he said he's the hitman and he's coming to to kill someone. And then they asked, what about the baseball in case they run? Yeah, see, he. I, I think like people maybe didn't realize he was this character from a video game. 
Is this from a video character. game? This is yeah. certainly uh, this is what uh, I, out I'm of my pretty scope. sure. I'm like I'm not super familiar with this video game, but I'm pretty sure that's what he had like dressed up as, and he maybe even said something in the. So I think he that's what it was. He was this hitman character, and yeah. Well, that card has uh, that in the main event, which uh, knock on wood will happen this time around. It is the probably one of the most anticipated fights in UFC history after all the the, the misses uh, of this fight to try and put it together. Uh, Jessica Andrade against Rose Namajunas in a rematch from the fight where Namajunas lost her title to Andrade, which was a fight that Namajunas in that first round was among the best rounds she's ever had and then got uh, just stopped in the second round. Jeremy Stevens versus uh, Kelvin Cater. Shamil Abdurahimov. Well, that's against uh, TBD. Jacare's on this card against Uriah Hall. Uh, is that back at 185? Then that's I one. That's at 185. Yeah, Ben Rothwell's on this card against uh, Jean Volante. So um, Jean Volante at heavyweight. Then, eh? Yes. Yeah. yeah he, his last fight was at heavyweight. Man. Yeah. Watching some of the the wars that guys had at 205 pounds. I don't know if my decision is, you know what I need? Bigger guys. <laughs> these, these, these rock'em sock'em fights, it could, it, the punches could be way more damaging. So, yeah. um, that is the, uh, the career move for one Jean Volante. Well, Phil, uh, thank you very much for joining me. It is all of a sudden, it's almost four in the morning. So thank you so much. It was only 1.45 when we started this. Well, it it flew by. It only felt like an hour then. So, but it's been two. So. Can, can we just say that uh, as we have continued to do these shows month after month? I mean, we talk about Yoel Romero conserving his energy and having cardio late. Like your conditioning for these shows, there was a time that you were just dead by this point, and now I feel oh. like you could go through the whole Invicta card from Friday with me. Why don't we do that then? Let's do that, John. That sounds like what the fans tune in for. I actually watched most of that card. I was very curious to see how the the open scoring would work. Oh, okay. And how did it work? Well, first of all, they were doing a one-night tournament. So the first eight fights are all one-round fights. So they had no use of the open scoring until fight number nine. And... It was, it was done. It was, it really had no effect on the fight because it was, uh, the two fights I saw where they utilized it, it was pretty clear cut and they would show them to the corner, but not to the fighter. So the corner got to decide, do we tell the fighter if they're up or not? So mm-hmm. you could see it at home. The broadcasters acknowledged it and the corner could see it, but the fighter, they, they had to rely on their corner to relay the information if they wanted, and they never really made it clear if they were even passing the information on. I kind of mm-hmm. like seeing the score, but it's – um, yeah. I, I don't know how many other places are going to adopt it. Well, uh, let's T- – Tonight would have been interesting in that Romero and Adesanya fight. It would have been really interesting to see um, – you know, if Romero knew that he was down on two judges' scorecards going into, or it would, or if it was tied on two judges' scorecards going into the fifth round, would he have uh, pressed pressed harder? I mean, that's where you could. Get, for all the arguments I see about people thinking, oh, there's going to be a fighter that coasts in the third round. I look at that Austin Hubbard fight tonight with Mark Madsen. That guy knew he was down two rounds, and we got the most entertaining round of the three when he knew he was down and just. Brought it to Madsen. Yeah, I, I mean that, that that's right. Uh, gamesmanship is already happening right now. Uh, it, uh, I, I'm not like saying I, I'm like pro yeah. or anti open scoring because I've heard arguments for both, and I do think it does create some potential problems. But <laughs> the the argument that it's going to lead to fights that. You know, guys are just going to like coast and that's going to ruin fights. I think it's offset by fighters that are going to know they're down two rounds. And especially in UFC where you have that win bonus dangling uh, are going to be that much more aggressive in the third. And I think it's going to negate anyone, you know, coasting in the third round. Yeah, like, uh, look, let's keep trying it and and uh, tweaking it. Um, but, you know, as we've sort of mentioned you know the the scoring itself is not ideal the the offic- the judging is less than ideal especially in texas and uh 
Yeah. And they're so. going back to Texas tonight. They announced they're going back there at the end of June. So they gave us a, a several month warning. Cormier was he wasn't too pleased either, right? Did you hear that? He said uh, Texas is in the corner having a timeout right now. That's that's well, that's what we thought, but apparently not. Yeah, they're they're going to Austin at the end of June. Well, Phil, thank you so but much. There's no South by Southwest in June. Or no. no, that's that that's this month. Though, that, right? That's that's coming up uh, very soon. Yeah, yeah. isn't that uh, that was going to be next weekend? Yes, it was crazy. Phil, uh, thank you as always for uh, for joining me. You can of course catch uh, Phil every uh, week at postwrestling.com with five questions. Uh, this week, adorned by a photo of Juggernaut. Did you like that one? I I did. I was I was I mean I I was hoping you would use that. I mean, does he not like it's you know like you know what I'm saying? I I had that image in my head throughout the whole fight because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to you, you want to promote, Phil? I know you have a project in the works, but are are we at uh, promoting it yet? Not or are we not at that stage yet? Well, actually, uh, John, I, I'm happy to announce that. Uh, you know, I, some, as you mentioned, a project I've been working on for a while. Uh, and thanks to you, uh, I have started my own podcast. Um, it is not, uh, necessarily martial arts or, uh, wrestling related. Uh, it's, uh, I guess it's sort of society and culture. I'm going to talk about a variety of things. Um, it's available now anywhere you get podcasts, Stitcher, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, um, Spotify. Um, and my first guest is someone that you know, John, is uh, uh, Dr. Christian Rosea. Dr. Christian Rosea. Oh, is, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's a clinical psychologist, a hypnotherapist, and a relationship coach. And so we sort of ca- I catch up with him, and uh, we go through his career and some of the work he's doing. And uh, that's the first of. Uh, you know, I'm going to ta- talk to people about business, technology, politics, science, hopefully. Um, and I'm also going to do a sort of local spin on things, York Region and GTA, and uh, just talk about stuff I'm interested in. What's the name of the podcast? So it is the Fishbulb Podcast. So F-I-S-H-B-U-L-B, as if a goldfish met a light bulb. Uh, I'm fishbulb underscore CA on Twitter. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna post something on social media in the next day or so. But it is available now if you want to go listen to the first episode. And uh, yeah. And, you know, John, you're always, of course, welcome to be a guest on on the show I, I, i'd I, love I've, to be on I, I, really yeah for sure. boom all right guys we, phil, phil is one of the smartest firm. people i know there, there's a reason oh, I, I recruited oh him here, so. god i mean if you oh. want to see him flex some some muscle i mean the guy can talk about a lot more than just fighting so uh do check out uh, the fishball podcast i'm i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go so far i'm gonna subscribe to it because i <laughs> i've been a little annoyed at some of these podcasts i subscribe to because I'll wake up and they've downloaded the entire library of that. I had to get rid of a uh, Joe Rogan show. There was I, I had oh, no. just <laughs> stuck here, dude. A thousand plus episodes got downloaded onto my my player here just out of nowhere. That 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 alone is is like I had to literally it, scroll and they're mixed with all my other one, and you have to have to go one by one to delete them. It drove me insane, so I, I unsubscribed from it completely. That that's at least six hours of chimpanzee talk alone. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. So um, that that's how much I, I value uh, our friendship, Phil. I will subscribe to your podcast. Wow. Even you, once you get to a thousand episodes, and then you decide to just spam my phone. So 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 subscribing is more onerous than appearing as a guest. Yes, yeah, I I can do the guest spot in my sleep. That's no problem. We'll chat about uh, uh, we can chat about uh, local politics. We can talk about. Y- you just name the topic. I'm ready. Well, it, it's it's the it's the John Pollock success. Story. How about how about I mean ideally, how about the Empress look, Walk? Look, I'm gonna can, I'm can we well, do we, one? the Empress Walk Chronicles? You and I. <laughs> Uh, I, do people want to hear about that? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not sure people are going to want to hear about anything else I want to talk about. But you, you I know what it guarantees you, know, we'll you? It guarantees you a foundation because the people we talk about are the people that will download the podcast to listen about uh, themselves. That's ex- yes. and you're you're easily in for like fifteen. Well, I mean, I, I, well, John, I've already got one empress. Uh, 
guest on my uh, resume, right? That's true. Yes. Yes. So now so there'll one. be two. Now there'll be now there'll be two. You build and up to kn- you build up to the big season finale <laughs> to cost a podcast. <laughs> oh oh my gosh, this, this is real inside baseball. You're just like so going into okay. Uh, uh, I, well, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we're going to talk about the John Pollock success story. Yeah, oh, the success story. We'll we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> Phil, thank you as always uh, for joining me. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, Way and I will be back Monday night with uh, Rewind to Raw, and if you want to go. Uh, we will be going to WrestleMania weekend uh, coming up. Well, providing nothing gets canceled. And we're doing our live show Sunday, April the 5th at noon Eastern at the Art Institute of Tampa. If you want to get all the information, postwrestling.com slash live. We hope to see you there. Phil is uh, booking the whole weekend off. He is flying down uh, just to check out the Q&A. So Wait, when, when is WrestleMania weekend? It is the first weekend of April. Okay, I'm not booking that off. No. What am I supposed to be doing? You know what? Go, going to WrestleMania? Is that what you're suggesting? Coming to our live show. But uh, Oh, I, I'd love to do that. I'd rather go to that than WrestleMania. Well, I don't, I don't want to fall WrestleMania is longer than a UFC event, right? It, it's, it's comparable. Like, tonight was probably longer than what WrestleMania will be. Or at least right around the exact time. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. I, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not like. A, I'm not trying to hate. Like, I think WrestleMania would be an awesome, fun experience. I would love to go to WrestleMania. I just don't want to go to that much WrestleMania. And, you know what I mean? No. Yeah, Phil might not make it to Tampa, but the one thing that I always look forward to is every year, Phil usually like checks in on WrestleMania, and then I get my, uh, that's my true. the yearly Phil email. So maybe we can get the audio version. Okay. Um, uh, when we chat next after Ferguson Nurmagomedov, we can get uh, wh- whatever you catch of WrestleMania. Okay. Okay. I. You know what? I'll make a point to note what day it's on. But I w- like because the last few years, I really only caught like very very small bits. Like I saw Ronda. Like that one year, I only saw Ronda. That was the entire experience well maybe try and watch uh, uh the Shayna baszler match that can be Shayna baszler okay Shayna baszler wow, will be in one of the she'll be in one of the featured matches Shayna baszler what's the main event is there a main event we've got brock lesnar against uh drew mcintyre and then I we don't, have i don't know who drew mcintyre is okay well we have on the smackdown side we have roman reigns and bill goldberg okay i know bill these okay all right So look forward to that, everybody, on our UFC 249 post show. We'll get WrestleMania thoughts from Phil. Maybe, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll go, I'll go down. I'll look at the lineup. I'll, maybe I'll pick, I'll cherry pick. Cherry pick, exactly. Yeah, I'll cherry pick. That's probably the best way to watch it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody. Go now and listen to the Fishbulb podcast. Oh, thanks, John.